second episode. Here we are. Number two. Yeah, number two. We're excited. Recovered Attic Podcast. Uh, Jason Rigby and... Dwayne Yardman, right? Yes. And this is cool, Dwayne, because what we're going to get in today, I think, is is really important. We're going to get into the emotional dimension of understanding addiction. But as we begin to understand our addiction and what it is separate from the real us, mm. you know, we talked about that in the last episode, so I encourage people to listen to that. But in this nature of addiction, we went into the physical side of things, okay, you know, what your brain's doing and all that. Now, this is a fun one because we're going to get into the emotions. Yes. And one of the things that we talk about in our, in our literature is emotionally addiction often stems from a person's attempt to cope with negative feelings or stressful situations. So what does that look like when you're thinking of, you know, maybe your addiction and you've been, you know, 13 years for people that's just listening. What does that look like when that stressful situation hits, that negative emotion hits, and then now you need to grab onto that addiction? Yeah. Yeah. I think that in in active addiction and in ego, a negative situation or a uh, stressful situation, if I don't have the appropriate tools to help me separate myself mm. from the negativity or from the perceived stress, there's a high probability I'm going to become the situation. I'm going to attach my identity to whatever is going on. Because I, in my matrix is selfishness. We talked about that last time. So if I'm approaching this from an emotional standpoint of just pure selfishness, yes, and then something knocks me off my high flying disc, yeah, yeah. yeah. So so I get you know my next thing you know I find out one of my friends died, mm. and then I I steer right into addiction. Yeah, you know I I, I heard a story uh, a couple weeks back of somebody they knew. Unfortunately, it was horrific, but you know they did they were. Uh, sober for years for dr- from drugs. And then their son got super sick. So instead of being there for their son in the hospital, they went back to using drugs and then fentanyl got them and mm. they died while their son's in the hospital fighting for his life. Yeah. What a, what what a, a selfish. Exactly. What an epitome of selfish behavior. Right. I know that this particular substance is going to work immediately mm-hmm. and I know that I'm going to feel different. If I don't have the appropriate tools to walk through these negative situations, I'll just use what my conditioned pattern is to feel different, to not have to deal with the negativity, to not have to deal with the stress, to avoid, to hide, to run. And my selfishness blinds me to the fact that that's what I'm doing. I just think this is my life. This is the way I'm supposed to go through the world. Bad, bad stuff happens. Of course, we're going to go to the bar. Mm, right. This is just the way I was taught to do it. This I'm going to eat bad food. Years. Yeah. Comfort food. Oh, or... Sugar's going to make me feel different. Mm-hmm. Let's have 18 Krispy Kremes. <laughs> right. Or you can get to the point to where, you know, like, because I, I, I like for us to look at everyone as kind of having these addiction personalities. The ego loves this. Or, you know, like for me, high stressful situation at work, I'm going to go tune out, mm. make the room dark, and watch Netflix for eight hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to withdraw from people because people are bad. I need to protect myself. You, you know what I'm saying? That That's the same scenario. It, it's the same thought process. Instead of looking as like, I'm not separate from them. I'm one with them. Mm-hmm. They are one. I'm one. Mm-hmm. We're all one. They're actually uh, just a mirror. What happened is not a bad negative thing. And that's where I want, I want to reframe in this emotional dimensions when we're understanding addiction. One, I want us to look clearly at what the addiction's causing them to think and that matrix that they're living in. And then number two, I want to reframe their mindset. I love it. I, you know, I, during this podcast, I we think the that. example of, of the man who went back to using drugs while his son is in the hospital is an excellent way to, to head in that direction. Um, or, or let's say, hypothetically, my, my son dies. Yeah, God forbid. Yeah, God horrific. forbid. Yes. But what a selfish thing to do to now make his death about me. Mm, everything becomes about you. What can I do it? to make my son's illness about me? 
Oh, it's so. <laughs> did you know? I'm, my I'm son, not laughing about that, you, but I'm just yes, like, it's yes, just it's so like horrific. That, but it's okay. The con, the the it, it should be. There should be a comedic relief. The right. laughter is right. hopefully enough to help the ego crack open. And if the ego cracks open, we have a high chance that God's light can shine in. But that's. That's my selfishness. That's my self-centeredness. Mm. That's I'm going to make your illness and this negative situation all about me. All about me. I'm feeling Don't uncomfortable you, now, yes, so this is yes. it's got to be about me. Yeah. yeah, this is a high stress situation. How can I make this about me? It's not a high stress situation. It's just work. Mm-hmm. I am not my job. Right. If I don't have tools to disidentify from the situation, from the perceived stress, I'm going to become the stress. I'm going to become the emotion. I'm going to become the negative emotion. How do I make this negative emotion about me mm-hmm. and become it? I think you sent me something because we send each other stuff all the time of like motivational things and all that. And there was a guy, Chris Williamson, or maybe I sent you, I don't remember, on his podcast. And he had a guy on there, Alex something, I forgot, but it's a successful businessman. And he goes, they're hard things because they're hard. Mm, yeah, yeah. They're hard because they suck. And there's no way around it. You really don't want to do this. You know, I don't want to go out and clean my yard, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. especially when it's hot outside. <laughs> you know, I got lots of other things to do than to pick up leaves. Yeah. You know, but I, I and Jordan Peterson talks about this. I need to bring order to the chaos. Absolutely. And it's my responsibility to do that because no one's going to do it for me. Absolutely. I could pay somebody to do it, you know, for me, but that's still an exchange. Absolutely. But this selfish desire to make everything always about me whenever I feel a little bit uncomfortable. Where does that come from? I mean, it's addiction, of course, but yeah. like, like with your, let, let's go with your addiction um, with alcohol. Uh, when you look at, at your yourself, like when something messed up bad in your life, because you wound up in the hospital and all kinds of things, what, what was the trigger that triggered you to just to drink more? Like to say, you know, screw it, I'm going full bore in this direction. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna double down all my addiction, because this bad, bad thing happened to me. You know what? Um, it's hard to know exactly or to finger point what particular situation it was. The trigger, yeah. Where I, where it was like, all right, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to head in this direction as hard as I can. Like breaking up with a girl. Let's use that. Usually, um, you know... I'm going to use it. Shoot, man. Girls, I never broke up with girls. They broke up with me. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, in regards to the selfishness and self-centered, what is, what are we, what's the question? No, it's like, like with you, like with your alcoholism, whenever you looked at, so something bad happens. Let's say you get arrested or or, you know, someone that you love is like hurting or something like that. And then you immediately go to using. Yes, yes. Sorry. I think with every addiction or every particular substance, there's usually an evolution mm. to the addiction to that substance. Right. Alcohol, cocaine, sugar, whatever it is. It, I'm not immediately addicted to alcohol the first time I take alcohol. But if I enjoy the sensation produced by that alcohol. Mm, and then my the ego key, yes. puts that first and foremost. And then I start to chase that sensation and the go down the progression mm-hmm. of, of exper- needing to experience that feeling of relief or that feeling of comfort or that feeling of fitting in or whatever it is the substance does for me, whatever it is the sugar does for me, whatever it is the mm-hmm. going to the gym does for me. And if I progress down that enough, it just becomes my normal way of life. So, of course, I'm going to turn to alcohol mm-hmm. when bad things happen, perceived things happen. Of course, I'm going to turn to the drugs to get through this hard situation. That's all I know to turn through. So, so it's, it's basically the tool in your tool belt. I got one tool. I got one tool in the bottle. A, it's, a, it's a bottle. <laughs> or it's, it's a sledgehammer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just hit every problem with a sledgehammer. <laughs> so the problem comes from... A lot of times, because we self-generate problems, especially in our addiction. Absolutely. You know, we put ourselves purpose, and we talked about that in the last episode a little bit. But, <laughs> but I want to get into this because I think it's important. The trigger comes from the association to your past. And, and we had talked about this the other day, and I think it's so important people understand this. I hate deviled eggs because I got super sick 
eating one on a 4th of July picnic because they had set out on a picnic table and I had been drinking mm-hmm. and I ate some eggs and then I started puking. I can look at an egg now and it'll make me physically sweat. It changes my physical. Think about this. I'm mentally thinking or seeing an egg and it physically is changing my body just off of a thought because yeah. the eggs aren't doing that. The chemicals- it's my thought towards the eggs. Now you look at hard-boiled eggs being a bodybuilder and you're like, these are great fuel. I'd eat it. Yeah, I'll, I'll eat them all day long. Oh, yeah. perfect. Thanks for giving me these six hard-boiled eggs. I'll eat them all day long. You know, there's a perfect fuel for me. I love hard-boiled eggs. Absolutely. Nothing changed with the substance. What changed was my thought process from the past that gave me that trigger that physically and emotionally changed me. And that's the power in, in, in triggers is you understanding, and you have to go to your past. Like you had shared with me before, like you had family members in the past that were alcoholics. Absolutely. On both sides of the family. And I think it's very interesting looking at the origins Mm. and going to the past for these triggers or for these experiences. Why am I having a negative response to this type of situation? If it's just a situation, if it's just a deviled egg. Right. What does it matter? What does it matter? But because of my conditioning Mm. and how I was taught to view the world or how I choose to view the world, I start having an energetic response inside my body because of something that happened or I, something I learned from my unconscious father or mm-hmm. my unconscious grandfather mm-hmm. 18 years ago, 13 years ago, 40 years ago. How many people are still behaving in unconscious reactions to situations just because of previous conditioning? Well, you see this, and, and I want to get to this because this is this is very, very important. There's this whole incel culture where guys hate women, and there's like this whole, you know, yeah, um, you yeah. know, like a guy is 14 or 15 years old, and he falls in love with this girl. He doesn't know how to process it all. He's just getting all these feelings, and then she rejects him. Yes. So then he goes through not having sex, not doing anything, and we may be talking about somebody here that's listening to this. This is a normal, this is a normal experience. Yeah, normal experience. And so he goes in, in the, uh, they, I just saw a study on this is that guys in their 20s there's a lot of them that go years without sex yeah um and i'm not saying sex is not bad or good or whatever who cares you know with somebody that that you love or care about or whatever it's awesome um but to have to not want to experience experiences because of that rejection that happened to you so now you're online in these social circles you know these social echo chambers you're online and you're i got all excited when the instagram pops up and it's going to serve this to you you know, gold digger woman gets owned, mm-hmm. you know, and then next thing you know, the guy's like throwing her out of a five-star hotel and you're like, yeah, see, and subconsciously you're like, that's what happened to me 14. I wish I could do that to women. Yeah. You know, I wish I had, and then, so I'm going to get tons of money and I'm going to work tons of money. And then I'm going to just throw these women out and just use them and throw them out. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And it's I'm the per- same. I'm perpetuating that past experience the, the past experience i'm perpetuating the problem that i don't like in the first place right i'm just creating more of it and i'm still unconscious mm. to the fact that i'm identifying with a situation yes i'm making some situation who i am it's actually going to be the driving force of why i'm going to work hard and make money and get to a place where i can just treat mistreat people because I can't disidentify from what happened to me when I was growing up. My condition, my conditioning, my conditioning. Dude, that's so important what you just said. It's like I'm identifying with the perceived disappointment that I experienced from my past. Absolutely. It becomes who I am. I don't know that I'm separate from the disappointment. I don't know that I'm separate from my thoughts. We're talking about emotional, our, 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 the emotional dimension of addiction here. How easy is it to get addicted to my negative thoughts? How easy is it to get addicted to stressful situations? I need to be submerged in negativity to feel alive. That's where you get addicted to the drama and stuff like that. How many thoughts? You you shared this with me. I thought it was awesome. How many thoughts do we think a day and all that? On average, every human being thinks 60,000 thoughts a day. On average. Sometimes more, sometimes less. We're addicts, so it's probably more for us. (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) On average... You know, scientists have proven this with brain studies. Mm -hmm. Scientists that are not necessarily interested in spiritual development have proven this. On average, 98 to 99% of those thoughts 
are negative or repetitive. So it's a thought that does not serve me, and it's the same thought I had yesterday. What's 2% of 60,000? Yeah, like uh, 1,200. Exactly. Do you think I'm going to live a successful, happy, fulfilled life with 1,200 good thoughts and 58,000 negative thoughts every single day? No wonder your matrix is fear and fight or flight. And it's, it's my conditioned response. So the coping mechanism becomes the addiction based off of that. Exactly. So this is where we're at the root. And I think this exactly. is, that's why I kind of want to stay at. Yes. Because I think this is really important. So, so that past perception and those negative thoughts, whether it's, you know, this woman did to me or, or for instance, I've been bullied at school as a teenager. And the only thing that gave me comfort was coming home and eating Cocoa Puffs, you know, or all this bad food that was around me. And I could take the food to my room mm. and then I felt satisfied. I felt good. Yeah. You know, and that that comfort food gave me, you know, or, or whatever it may be, you know, in any type of addiction. But that is so important, bro, what you said, because we're once you realize that, now it's like, this is my brain. No one can affect it. This is mine. These are my thoughts. I'm responsible for these 60,000 thoughts. Very Not good. anyone else. You see what I'm saying? I, I, we're really dipping our, our toes here in the solution now. If I'm having 60,000 thoughts a day, how much responsibility am I willing to take for those 60,000? Mm -hmm. I, in reality, have 60,000 opportunities a day to, to create my own matrix, to create my own responsibility, to create my own reality. Do I want to create a reality where these negative events have control over my life? Do I want to create a reality where I know I'm separate from whatever the event is? Mm -hmm. And it's important that we're talking about the understanding of addiction in different dimensions right now. We're in an emotional dimension geared toward recovery. For the sake of dimensional talk, I like one teaching that says, you know, we have a horizontal dimension mm -hmm. and that's my world of form. Everything form based, this table, my job, uh, a gym, um, anything you can yeah. see, family, yes, right. yes. Anything form-based. That's the world and the, ver the, the horizontal, yeah, yes, the yeah. horizontal dimension right. of existence. Mm -hmm. My role as father, mm -hmm. my role as uh, entrepreneur, my, right. my, uh, you know, my role as an individual in traffic. This is, these are but the you're saying role. You're not saying yes, I am. You're correct. My identity very is good. not an entrepreneur. My identity yes, is yes. not a father. So the, the world of form is very transient. Mm. Money in the, world of, in the world, horizontal dimension of form. All of these things come and go. And if my identity, let's even say thought form exists in the world of form. And if my identity is wrapped up in this world of form, is wrapped up in these transient things, well, who am I when they go away? Money comes and goes. Relationships come and go. My kids are not going to need me in 20 years the same way they need me now. Right. My role as father is going to go away. Right. So who am I if that's not my identity? Enter vertical dimension. Let's tiptoe into the solution now. Enter spirit, source, God consciousness, spirit of the universe, eternal uh, uh, any any we use many words because any any one word limits right. it higher it's, self higher self yeah, yeah absolutely inner being right um i use higher self a lot you use god a lot love you know it. and that's that's the way that we and so what whatever religion you are cuz i yes. want to get this out clear yes. you know cuz a lot of people get upset and it's another pride issue and it's a selfish thing it's like well they're not you know christian or obviously that's not christian or they're not catholic or they're not muslim or whatever we don't care what religion you are, you know, the, the 60,000 negative thoughts of 58,000 <laughs> that's screwing you up regardless. Yes. Regardless. You know what of, I mean? Like regardless practice, of what you, yeah. that a lot of times the religion is just a double down mm -hmm. of the ego. Very good. You know what I mean? Very good. Yes, absolutely. And there are many pathways to source to God. Right. We don't care which pathway you take. Yeah, exactly. 100%. We just take that you get there. But so, because I, I want to clarify that, because this yeah. part so, is so we're in the horizontal world, right. of form. Enter vertical dimension, vertical world of non-form, spirit, source, eternal being, 
God consciousness. Now, we could even say love. Mm. We could even say uh, soul. We could even say, uh, uh, you know, those, those type of ideas. Are those things going anywhere? No, not at all. If my inner being is eternal, mm-hmm. is it subject to life or death? Mm-hmm. It's forever. Mm-hmm. So if my identity, mm-hmm. who I am, is wrapped up in an eternal source that does not go away, I'm built on bedrock. Yes, Jesus said this. He, he, he was talking and he said, why are you putting all your hope in things that are going to rust, our moths are going to eat? Mm-hmm. You know, he was basically saying the same thing. And he said, the things of the Father are these, like you're saying, these vertical dimensions. These vertical dimensions, that's where you begin to put your identity in. Yes, absolutely. So if my identity is in vertical dimension, everything else after that is easy. Mm. No one is teaching especially let's say an alcoholic or an addicted parent, two alcoholic and addicted parents are not teaching a young, vulnerable, hungry child, you're connected to infinite source. They're teaching unconsciously these young kids coming up, you need to worry about this situation. Mm-hmm. That's negative. Well, it's just they watch, you know, I, I've talked to kids before. It's like when you have two alcoholic parents and both of them are functioning and working or whatever, you see this all the time. It's like they're happy when they have alcohol, but then there's a switch that flips and then two of them start drinking. And then that happiness can turn at any moment into this anger fighting. And so they see these extremes of their parents. Mm-hmm. So you don't realize this as a parent, but you're always teaching your children. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're just teaching them your addiction. Very good. I mean, th- you know, good. you know what I mean. And that's my conditioned mm-hmm. practice, evolution, progression to how I deal with negativity or how I deal with stress. So, I, 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 for the whole podcast, we'll we'll continue this because you always talk about like making it across. Yeah. You know when they begin to. So, we're we're in this stressful situation. We're having these negative feelings, and it almost and then this emotion because we're on the emotional dimension the emotion begins to overtake us. Mm. And then it begins to where it becomes where we're feeling unbearable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now the addictive substance comes in the, and it's, it's the, the coping mechanism, the behavior. Mm -hmm. So the temporary escape. So what does that look like? Like, especially like maybe in your circumstances or whatever, the escapism part. I knew that alcohol, drugs, whatever it was, was going to work instantly. Mm. I could instantly feel different. I didn't have to address or take responsibility for the negativity that was welling up inside of me, the stress that is welling up inside of me. You knew this would work. I knew it was going to work immediately. Even though it was bad for you, you knew it would work. And because of my lack of tools, Mm. I didn't even know how to articulate. I'm feeling stressed. Mm. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling afraid. None of that entered my mind ever. I was taught and I learned and conditioned myself to continue. This will make it go away. Wow. That's, that's really think about that. Like what you're saying is in my unconscious state, I wanted, I felt there's tons of chaos. And the only way for me to bring order to that chaos is this bottle. And because I know, because the order to me is I know what this bottle will do. Yes. And because of my selfish disillusionment, <laughs> I'm just creating more chaos. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. That's how tricky my ego is. That's how tricky my selfish self-centeredness is. Do this, drink this thing that is killing you in order to bring. And that's going to screw it, up relationships, yeah. mess your life up. But for right now. It's your solution. I, it's your solution. Right. And in reality, especially in active addiction, it is my solution. That's the only tool I have. It becomes the only tool I have. So get, developing this tool belt mm. and being able to not just bring a sledgehammer or a bottle to the situation. Very good. Sometimes you need a screwdriver. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Allen wrench is helpful. A finesse, you yes. know, something like, you know, so these are the things that you have to understand. So, you know, in this emotional dimension, it says the addictive substance or behavior serves as a temporary escape, offering relief from uncomfortable emotions and memories. However, this relief is transient and can ultimately exaggerate the emotional stress as the addiction progresses. So we're offering relief. We grab the bottle, the drug, the food, whatever it is. We went to the casino. 
Um, we hired a prostitute, whatever the addiction is. Now, we we haven't addressed the uncomfortable emotion or the memory, no self-awareness practice, no nothing, and now we're wanting to offer the relief in the moment. Mm-hmm. In this present moment, this bottle will offer me relief. And how, how easy is it to get stuck in that cycle? A loop, yeah, it's a destructive loop. It's a, absolutely. It's the only thing that I know will work. It worked yesterday. Why wouldn't it work today? Negative emotion arises. I even feel guilt. I feel shame because I'm living in a way where I'm cutting off the sunlight of the spirit. I'm no longer connected to source. I'm blacking out. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Something inside of me tell, is telling me that's not in alignment. That feels bad. I'm connected to guilt. I'm connected to shame. How could, What can I do to get out of this? The bottle I know is going to work immediately. Extremely, extremely destructive loop. So this part, is what I'm focused on. And this part, the bottle's part of this part. Very good, yes. yes. You see what I'm if saying? I don't have This part tools. is screaming to me, mm-hmm. and and it's the, the the higher self or God of words is saying, hey, I'm here. I have solutions. I have some tools for you. Yes. Here it is, because yeah. the answer is in this frame, and it's kind of trying to talk to you, but it will never go against your free will. Absolutely. So it, it's trying to help you, trying to talk to you, trying to share some things with you, and then you're like, bottle... And then this just dims out, you know, and and you use a good analogy on this when, when you talk about like a garden hose. Yeah. That, that, um, with the pebbles stuck in source, that source and my connection to spirit is powerful enough to open up a channel for positive energy to come into my life. If I do have the tools to get connected to this vertical dimension, that I have a high probability of opening up some good stuff into my life. Mm. But if I'm fixated on the world of form, whatever that little world of form item is, is kind of like jamming up this flow of positive energy. I see what you're saying, yes. It is like jamming a a pebble inside of a garden hose. Or or you get like, uh, I, I was thinking when you told me that, I was thinking of ice in the garden hose. In the wintertime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, and it takes forever, and I'm, you got to cut it on. I'm choking the flow of energy into my life. And if you stay in this, so a lot of addiction programs, and there's millions of them out there, stay in this format. It's the white knuckling. It's the, so people are, they may not have, they may be able to function in that addiction, but now I'm going to throw all of that into my work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to throw all that into my family. And I lose my identity, and now I'm a mom. And my, I hear this all the time. Mothers would be like, my kids save me. Yeah, very good, very good. You see what I'm saying? I, wouldn't, I would not say that it's the recovery program as such mm. that attaches to the world of form. In the depth of all of these teachings, hopefully the individual does get to the place of, I know I'm connected to non-physical mm. i know i'm connected to vertical because dimension. you know uh, what what the recovered addict podcast is 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 showing this yes exactly. so that's what this podcast is all about vertical dimension yeah. and how that can save our lives yes exactly and especially early in recovery no matter what the program is mm. there's no way you know that and, and, very- and the vertical because i, I want to make sure we understand this because i don't want people cutting this off right now because they think we're too woo woo mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the vertical can be self-awareness Absolutely. Mindfulness practices. You know, if you're science-based, yeah, those are all, you know, you're tapping into consciousness or Con- whatever. Yeah. Consciousness. That's yes. a great word. Consciousness. You see what I'm saying? It's is, not just God no, or no. Our, our universe when we're going to do yoga practices, you know, <laughs> and, and we're going to do hyperbaric breathing and we're going to do ayahuasca. We're not talking <laughs> about that in this vertical plane. Vertical Self-awareness, dimension. consciousness. Vertical dimension is consciousness. Yes. If I'm behaving... In my ego, there's a 100% chance that I'm unconscious of it. Because inner being, consciousness, the shoes of inner being feels good all the time. Mm. So if I feel good, that's good. usually I'm in the shoes of inner being. I know I'm in alignment with who I really am. I'm in the my, shoes. I'm, in, I'm, I'm walking. I'm, I'm in alignment with, with source. It feels good. The further and further I get, the more and more I rely on horizontal world of form, the worse and worse I feel. Mm, that's so good. That's just because I'm stepping further and further away from my own consciousness. How unconscious do I have to be to 
only feel good when I get a paycheck. I'm only going to feel good when I'm having sex. The rest of it is miserable. The rest of it is the world is... Or when I'm at the casino. Yes, what's wrong with me is the rest of the world. And if the rest of the world would change, then I'll feel better. But now I know I can control this environment that I'm in with a bottle with supposed control. Yes, yes, yes. It's an illusion. It is an illusion. All of this is an illusion. But it's very easy to get addicted to that delusion of control. That delusion of I'll change this reality. That's so good. So I want to kind of close this out with this. Um, This relief is transient. We know that, you know, when you go to your addiction to kind of handle this and can only exaggerate the emotional stress as the addiction progresses. But this is the part I I wanted to, to talk a little bit on is leading. The material says leading to feelings of guilt, shame, and worthlessness. And, and when I, when I, I've talked to multiple addicts and, and this part, and including myself, the feelings of guilt, shame, and worthlessness. Let's nail all these because I think this is really important because I know there's people listening right now and they're feeling guilt, shame, and worthlessness. Mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm. If you're operating in this arena, the emotional, because we're talking about the emotional dimension, the emotional dimension is I'm not good enough. You know, I'm going to, people are not going to like me. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't, I can't. I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, maybe I should commit suicide. I'm depressed. You know, I have all these issues. I'm an alcoholic. I'm this, I'm that, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm a druggie. I'm a yeah, meth user. Yeah. I'll never amount to anything. All these horizontal labels. Yes, yes. So well, let's hit guilt. Yeah. Again, speaking the, the to the feeling of yes, guilt. feeling of guilt, and speaking again, speaking to the pro, the progression of my addiction. I didn't feel guilty the first time I tried alcohol, but with enough unconscious behavior and enough chasing that comfort that comes from this substance. And then becoming selfish enough to do whatever it takes to get that substance with that progression and then getting into addiction, I'm getting further and further away from the shoes of inner being. I'm getting further and further away from my consciousness. Really, and that natural it, response is going to be guilt. Because I'm leaving the part of me that's really me. Mm, that's so good. I, if so, if inner being feels good all the time. Mm. And I'm interested in blacking out drunk. I'm literally becoming unconscious. And before you're unconscious, you're yelling at somebody. Oh, the behavior you're, is all over. The behavior it, is all over. It's, it's just pure chaos. You will never know. You'll never. Yeah. I could be extremely happy. You don't remember what happened. Yeah, I don't remember to begin with. <laughs> Get in a fight, whatever. Yeah, it is. yeah. I used to wake up with blood on me and say, "Whose blood is this?" And they would say, "You know, that's that's your blood. <laughs> you did not win that fight at all. You were even close. I lost every fight I was in. I was blackout drunk. I didn't stand a chance. But the further and further I get." from shoes of inner being, what is it inside of me that is saying, this doesn't feel right? What is it inside of me that feels guilty about my behavior? It has to be vertical dimension. It Mm -hmm. has to be the the part of me that has always known there's a better way. Usually in most situations, I have two choices, turn towards source or turn away from source. And the more and more I turn away from source, the easier and easier it is to feel guilty about that decision. That perpetuates the addiction because I can't stand that negative emotion. So it's not, you know, somebody may perceive it as like, a, oh, oh my God, I'm worthless. I feel so guilty because I sinned. You know, or, or I feel so guilty because, you know, I used this person, you know, or stole from this person mm-hmm. in my addiction, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, that guilt is there. And then, you know, I, I was watching, it was so funny, uh, Breaking Bad. And that's mm-hmm. here in Albuquerque because we're in Albuquerque, guys, in New Mexico. And Jesse, the guy, the meth guy or whatever, at, after like, I don't know how many seasons, he finally said, I'm not a good person. I'm just a bad person. And then he's like, okay, well, since I, he convinced himself, since I'm a bad person, I might as well just do bad things. I might as well own it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's like this and totally unconscious and then doubling down on it yeah. to the point of where you're like, I'm different from everybody else. I'm separate from everybody else. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to even feel guilty anymore because this is just who I am. I'm just, you know, a drug addict. My addiction and my unconscious behavior, my unconscious life mm. becomes the only normal one. So, so do you think guilt comes from, because I like what you're saying, it's like we're not aligned with our higher self, so guilt or aligned with God. So the, the, when, the farther we go away from that, 
let's say that's the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. And the farther we go away from that, and we're out in these treacherous seas, we're in the storm, and we can't see the lighthouse. You know, so we don't know where we're at. Tons of chaos is happening. And so in that moment, it's just like, I'm hopeless. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I do know I can take a bottle and then I'll feel better temporarily. Yeah. But what do I do in this storm? Like, you know, and I know there's people out there that are feeling this right now. I feel helpless. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I have no, I just, I don't want to feel guilty. And when I do drugs, I don't feel guilty. You know, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, it's, it's relief. Like, how do you make your way? And we're going to get into shame and worthlessness, but with the guilt, how do you make your way where you can at least see the light? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I know taking responsibility and all that, but like when it's so chaotic, what was that point of awakening for you? I think that I really like the analogy of the lighthouse. And you know what we might even say? Uh, I like to say a window of grace. Mm. I don't think that there was anything I was capable of doing at that time when I needed, where, where it was like, it was like, okay, you can continue this and die, or you can find a different way to live. And I think and that, that was your level of conscious in that moment. I think that like, was, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to be on the vertical plane. No, it's like, not. I'm going to die. Gonna die. Yeah, I did not have that language then mm, at all. I was right. dying drunk. And I think that what I know, what I can say now, I wasn't able to say this then, but what I can say now is I was presented with a window of grace, an opportunity of grace. And this opportunity of grace was, we're going to give you a way out. Mm. There's a little bit of hope here. Here's the light shining in the darkness. And then they told me, once that light starts shining in the darkness, you ha- and you head in that direction... The darkness cannot overcome it. Always. It, it's, I mean, it's physics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can shine a light on anything and it's going yes. to. Getting rid of the guilt is a fascinating adventure that takes probably the rest of our lives to do. This is not a one mm-hmm. and done type situation, mm-hmm. but starting to address the structure of my mind surrounding guilt is what spiritual teachings can help us navigate. Well, we I mean, have a situation. Right. And then we have... The construct of my mind. We were talking about this earlier at the gym, you and I. Content versus structure. The content is just the situation. I did the drugs. Mm-hmm. The way my mind is built to respond to the situation might be, well, I feel guilty about that. I have spiritual tools that help me tear down the structures of my mind, my unconsciousness, or the structures of my unconscious destructive behaviors, tear down the structure of guilt, rebuild that structure, and today I do not feel guilty about the drugs I did. They actually make me valuable to somebody else. 100%, yes. My experience can be useful to others. Yeah, the New Testament talks about that. Paul said that. He's like, all things work together for good. Yes, absolutely. And that's oneness teaching. But when you begin to understand that, and like you said, and especially when our calling is service to others, yes, yes. then the drugs become huge because how many people have you helped? I mean, come on. Been instrumental in your life for these yeah. last 13 years. 13 years, there's not uh, enough. You hundreds. put a number on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, And more than that have helped me. Yes, yeah, because you always, uh, and we've talked about this, you always learn, teach, teach, learn. Yes. So even while we're doing this podcast, we're learning. Like Absolutely. I told you, after, right after the podcast, I was like, bro, that what you said just hit me hard. I did, You told me like a hundred times and I just thought of it, you know, like in a, in a powerful like yes, epiphany yeah. way. It, like I just am addicted to more. I love it. You know, and I, but it never hit me. And then it gave me that window of grace where I'm like, mm. Mm, I need to be a little bit more self-aware about this more thing. <laughs> You know, it's like, you know, I want, I don't want to eat just, you can't eat just one chip. You know, the Lay's chips, they have that on their bags. Can't eat one of these. We've, we've engineered these (laughs) so well that you're going to eat the whole bag, which is what I do. So guilt, we have that, the feelings of guilt. For me, guilt is always, I become self-aware enough when I understand guilt as I'm focused on the past. Mm -hmm. So I'm not being in the present moment. So guilt for you, for me is usually a, I'm, I'm, my ego likes to tell me I'm a piece of whatever, you know? Yep. And so it wants to bring up guilt for it to take over. So it pulls a past event, a random past event, mm-hmm. and it's like, you need to really be thinking about this. Look at what type of person you are that would even do that. You know, so it's, the ego starts telling me, 
my lower self starts telling me what type of a bad person I am. Yeah. You know, instead of it just being a learning lesson. Yeah. That's such a powerful point. The only time I can be in guilt is if I'm in the past. If I'm mm -hmm. in the past, I'm definitely not in the present moment. Where does inner being live? Only in the present. Only in the present moment. Yeah. Definitely not two days ago. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. So I lose the present moment. Where does all power, if, 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 if inner being is connected to source and source is infinite, mm -hmm. that has to be connected to all power. So did you stop drinking the moment you had a window of grace? Like, did you make a decision to be like, okay, I'm not drinking anymore just one day and then you never drink again? No. Okay. No, I had a window of grace where it was do this or die. Mm -hmm. I stepped through that window of grace. Spiritual principles started being laid in front of me by the people in this recovery program telling me, if you follow these spiritual principles, you're not going to drink again. Mm. So the same way there's an evolution to right. our addiction, there's an evolution to our recovery. Mm. You don't get well overnight. Right. I lasted five months, 20 days. <laughs> and That's I was, pretty good. I five was, months, but 20 days. But I was days. still really selfish. What, what triggered you? Money and women. Mm, yeah, that always gets all of us. <laughs> Every guy that's out there says, hey, it's money and women. One movie says, uh, you know, money and women seem to be the pro the, the the creator or the the whatever, generator of most problems in the world. And you seem to be caught up in both. Yeah, and it's, it's it has nothing to do with the women, for the women that nothing are listening. No, we love it has women. nothing to do, yeah, we it love nothing women. nothing to do with money. It's just my being esteemable acts. Yes, my, well, my selfishness, I'm using, yes, I'm using a woman or I'm using money. Very good. You see what I'm saying? Very good. Yeah. If I have the right type of sex, then I'll be okay. Yeah. If I have the right type of money, then I'll be okay. Or if she, if she responds in a certain way, yeah. then I'll be okay. If she thinks five, I'm the greatest lover ever. Five months, 20 days sober, <laughs> and... I was working three jobs because I was just chasing the money in order to be okay. Mm. There's a portion of the recovery program that I was exposed to that says, you know, we're going to turn our life over to this vertical dimension. And I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know what they meant. The spiritual teachings, I was not progressed enough in my, in my recovery to understand what was being asked of me. And that, okay, let me stop you right there. Cause this is really important. This is why when you listen to this podcast, you need to listen to it multiple times. Yes. And you can go on YouTube and watch the video. If you're listening to this on audio, you need to take notes. There's a progression. And you need to, if you don't understand something, looking up in the dictionary, looking up words. Mm -hmm. If you have questions, you know, we'll have, you could DM us and all that stuff. We'd be more than happy to answer some questions, but you've got to take it like you're studying something. Yeah. This yeah. isn't like you, you, you were talking about, we were talking earlier, you were listening to Eckhart Tolle and and um oprah oprah and those whole series yeah, and how many great. times have you listened to them i can't, I can't count that high I, yes I, I, I don't know i bet you and now you're on hundreds, six again yeah so six. and you saw you're talking about something you just learned today you were talking about something you just learned off of listening to that yeah we, I, I was not present enough the first time i went through it to hear the teaching and we like to say that there's a depth to it there's a depth to these spiritual teachings and it reflects your own depth so it gets deeper. There are deeper levels of understanding as you progress down your own spiritual That's so path. Good. That's so true. He, Eckhart was talking about background on happiness. And you and I have a nice spiritual teaching. We like to call it a ULP, upper limit problem. It exists in my mind, and it chokes the flow of positive energy into my life. That's the same as the pebble in the garden hose. Mm -hmm. It's always conditioned bad thinking, conditioned negative thinking, 58,000 of them. The thing that resonated with me that I didn't wasn't ready to hear four years ago was background on happiness. I have a play a playlist going on in the background of my mind that's conditioned. And it's conditioned and takes me into unhappiness. It's it's constantly running in the background. That's the same thing. Those are those same conditioned neurological thoughts, fifty-eight thousand of them a day that drops my level, that drops my vibration. And when I'm dropped in vibration, it's very easy to turn to a bottle to feel something different. That's the, and, and that's what you're talking about is like good things can happen to you. It just doesn't have to be bad and you can't handle the good. 
Mm. A lot of times that trips us up. Yes. We, you oh, yeah. Know, my, you, yes. you know, my girlfriend and I were helping someone. That was the problem. It's like there's too much love and abundance here. There's too much goodness happening around me. I need to self-sabotage all of this. Very good. The ULP yeah. or the background on happiness usually engages on the heels of a major success, victory, or good time. <laughs> I don't know how to experience this much love, abundance, and success. I need to stay at this level of the game. Yes, yes. I don't know how to go to level four. I'm so conditioned in this vibration yeah. of guilt. Mm -hmm. I'm so conditioned in this vibration of shame. Mm. When I rise up out of that, and I get five months, 20 days, I don't know how to feel this good. What can I do unconsciously that will drop me back down to my conditioned vibration? Yeah, and I, I think this is interesting, and, and we'll close out on this because this last one, guilt, and we talked about guilt and shame, but worthlessness. Mm. Like, I'm not worthy, or I, I feel like, you know, and this leads to suicide and depression and all that. And for me, because I've always, since I've been a little kid, I've had issues with depression. Like, and, and mainly, like, I've really become self-aware enough of it where I get, like, this despair feeling. And then everything seems muted, and nothing seems fun, and nothing seems great, and everything's gray, you know, and I'm like, normal people should feel happy about this situation. And I just feel, ugh. Mm -hmm. One of my kids are born. Normal people are ecstatic. They're crying. Yeah. I get depressed. Something's wrong with me. I'm worthless. How am I going to be a great father? Because I'm feeling depression right now. So when I begin to understand that it's this worthlessness, because this is my thing, like worthlessness, I own this one. Mm -hmm. And I deal with this every single day. Um, this worthlessness, or I'm not good enough, you know, the ULPs, all of this is, is the underlying is self-pity. Very good. Which is uh, as good. an addict is the selfishness, yeah. but it, it's all, it, it, I can narrow it down. If you tell me what's your biggest problem, Jason, I would say not depression, not any of that. I would say self-pity. Yeah. Very good. That's powerful awareness. And you've done a lot of work to get right. to that place. Mm -hmm. In accordance with what we said in, in the first episode, you know, I'm not much, but I'm all I think about. <laughs> that, that's exactly right. The same, it, it, to say that another way is, well, this is just pride in reverse. It's negative stuff, mm -hmm. but I'm still just thinking about me. Yes, 100%. What does self-pity uh, offer me? Why is, this, why is this a tool in my tool belt of addiction? When I'm in my unconsciousness, when I'm in my addiction, it's easy to pick up this tool and use it. What does self-pity, what does this sense of worthlessness offer me? All I'm thinking about is me. I even did it to the point of where I was in a helicopter crash in the Marine Corps, and I just surrendered to, like, I'm going to die. Mm -hmm. And everybody's free, like, a lot of people are freaking out, and I'm just like, I'm just going to die. It's fine. Like, so self-pity that I'm just curled up in a corner like, I'm going to die. I'm just going to die. It'll just be like a number. I, mean, I was thinking this, why the helicopter was going down. Wow. I'm just like in my self pity and all I'm thinking about is myself Yeah, in the process of thinking that I'm going to die. Do you know what I mean? I think that it's that's so, to the point. That's yeah. how bad it is. A dis-ease <laughs> even at a point with it. And there was likelihood it could have died, Yeah, you know, that people died. So when you think about that, it's like even to the point of like the worst part of your life and you just give up and be like, oh, there's self pity. What was me? This is my story. Yeah, I'm I, done. Your your story is so powerful, Jason, and you know we want to hear more of it. Um, but that also speaks to the conditioning of my mind. I was so con you were so conditioned in that moment. Mm -hmm. I mean, how long does it take for a helicopter to crash? Yes, yeah, it's, different situation. It's, yeah, it's, it's but moments. it's it's seconds. But, yeah, but, but in that moment, your brain knew to go to that conditioned neurological path. Yeah, it wasn't like well, you know, I, I really love my, you know, my my. my my ex, but my wife at the time, I really loved my mom or my dad. It was none of that. It was all self-centered. <laughs> Woe is me. It becomes our only normal life. Yes. A hundred percent. So that makes perfect sense that that's my only tool to turn towards. And if it wasn't for fear, I would have picked up a bottle. I would have done drugs. Yes. I just was so fear-based that, that I, I couldn't use those things. I used other things, mm -hmm. um, whether it was like addiction to being wanted or needed by women or whatever it may be. I use lots of other things. My identity has to be based off of how you're feeling about me. Yes. And then I'm always like playing this little tightrope. But what I want to get into this worthlessness is why do we, all the people that you talk to and they help when they start getting into that? Well, Dwayne, to be honest with you, I'm super screwed up and 
Mm-hmm. You know, I'm different than how you were. Yeah. And I'm really bad. I'm like really bad drunk. Yeah. And again, it's the ego. Again, it's the selfish self identity. It's my terminally uniqueness. I'm so unique. <laughs> Nobody has done the things I've done. So you couldn't, good. you couldn't imagine how bad I've been. It, I'm so self-obsession. Un- I'm so unique. I'm so self-absorbed. It's going to kill me. And when I can get right-sized and start walking a path of recovery and start exposing myself to some spiritual principles like humility, I'm just, I'm no better or worse than you. We're just two guys here sitting talking together. There's, it, it, it levels the playing field. And I begin to have a chance to head in the right direction. And then if I pick up another spiritual tool and start taking responsibility for the conditioned thoughts, self-pity thoughts that are going on in my head, I simultaneously empower myself to think something different. I'm choosing selfish self-centeredness because I'm walking in self-pity. The more and more practice, the more and more evolution, the more and more progression of a spiritual development to live from the vertical dimension affords me more and more opportunities to choose not to have that same neurological conditioning thought again. Oh, I feel the self-pity coming on. I'm going to make this guy's illness about me. <laughs> yes, you know yes. how you're inconveniencing yes, me yes, right yes. here? Let, let me, how self-centered do I have to be? Well, you think about it like, let's say you're sitting across from someone and you're, you know, you've earned the title of being an expert in understanding addiction and all that. You've gone through it. You've done, gone through the mud. You've done everything. You've helped a ton of people. And then that person, instead of looking at, so I'm so grateful, Dwayne, that you have took the time out of your busy schedule. You work multiple jobs. You're an entrepreneur. You do multiple things, run multiple businesses, but you're taking the time to sit across from me. And, and you believe in me enough that you're sitting here to to help me. Mm-hmm. And instead, I'm going to waste the time and tell you how much of a crappy person I am. <laughs> you see see yeah. how that is? Yeah, it's, it's just extreme selfishness. This is the only topic I know to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's how conditioned the ego is. It's pride. Especially when we begin a, 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 a recovery path. What else are you going to know to talk about? So you got to start somewhere and you got to start addressing the guilt. You have to start addressing the shame. You have to start addressing this, these feelings of, wor- uh, of worthlessness. And then with enough consciousness, maybe with enough window of grace, we start to pull back the delusion of, of these areas, of these thoughts. I start to take a little more responsibility for those other 58,000 thoughts throughout the day and empower myself to choose something other than worthlessness. That's awesome. Well, we're going to close in that. We did the physical dimension, the emotional dimension. In the next podcast, we're going to do the spiritual dimension. So that's going to be fun. Yes, because we haven't talked about that yet. Yeah, at all. Yeah, we're going to get into that. So prepare. Thank you, guys.